Hey guys, welcome back to the show and thank you so much for tuning in. If it's your first time here, my name is Lauren and this is Liam. Hello. We have a very fun show today. First up, we're going to be talking about dating with Tommy Lahren, um, someone who I bet you thought would not be giving out dating advice. Well, she's gone and done it and surprise, surprise, her dating takes are just as controversial as her political ones. And then Akila versus Sargon, there's been a new development in that YouTube-centric court case. Next, we're going to be talking about turf wars. Lush has, I guess, pled their allegiance to the trans cause and dictionary.com of all places is calling out trans exclusionary radical feminists. And then finally, The Matrix, did you know, is apparently an allegory for transgenderism. I did not know that. I, I, most people did not, but that is now what the creators are saying about the movie. Kind of seems like they might be pulling in J.K. Rowling there. A little bit of revisionism. Uh, before we get into it, though, I do want to ask that if you are enjoying the show, please be sure to like, share, and subscribe. It helps us out so, so much. And if you are an audio-only fan, listener of podcasts, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. And of course, if you do want to go the extra mile to support the show, you can, of course, always find us on blazetv.com slash Lauren, if you subscribe using the code Lauren, not only do you help us keep the lights on over here, you also get a ton of other great shows to watch. So, actually, before we get into it, we should probably mention that we are bringing back the hour-long yes uh, episodes. You know, uh, we were doing those twenty-five minute-ish episodes for a while, but I think that uh, there's more demand for the hour-long. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were sad. Yeah. As well. So, yeah, we'll be doing that. We're not sure if we're going to go back live for the time being, but. Um, yeah, the hour segments are back and we'll have a little bit more digestible YouTube clips. Yeah, uh, we're going to try to make it I, as ideal as possible for both the podcast people and the YouTube video people. And let us know if the live shows yeah. really are something you miss because I've heard people say bring them back. I've heard others say they never caught them live anyway. We want to mm-hmm. hear your feedback for sure. Any and all feedback is definitely welcome. Mm-hmm. Unless it's about like our hair and stuff, because as we know, that is a, that's a sensitive issue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so first off, Tommy Laren, she's on Fox Nation, I believe. She went online, I think it was Instagram Live the other day, to give some dating advice for young men and her advice proved to be controversial we have some clips of it here i'm just gonna come right out and say i understand why this has been controversial i do not agree with a lot of what she says here but uh, I'll, i'll let you guys decide for yourself how you feel about it here's the first clip this is a psa for all the men out there and all the boys who think they're men but they're actually boys this is gonna be the summer of canceling boys Now, from my own personal experiences and the experiences of all of my friends, which range in age from 24 to 36, we've all got issues. Now, I will also say this. All of my friends are attractive. All of my friends are successful. All of my friends have something going on. Almost every single one of them have an issue with men. They're all successful, they're all intelligent, they're all good people. But if all of these women, including myself, are having issues, then I have to think, it might not be us. It might be you. It might be men. Yikes. That is that is not the take I expected Tommy Lauren to have in 2020. Sounding a bit like a feminist there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, you know, the vast generalizations, yeah, the men PSA, are trash, we're canceling yeah. all men. That definitely reeks of like a, a progressive, like, crazy girl I guess yeah I and I mean there. to be fair to Tommy Larian since that clip kind of blew up she did do a follow-up on her social media account kind of clarifying no she doesn't think all men are trash uh this was just directed at certain men and yes. she also went on to say just to make sure people knew that this was also not directed at at her I think ex-fiance mm-hmm. um and I think she did a good job maybe clarifying her points in that follow-up but in terms of what she has said here A lot of people were kind of bringing up that, and this is something similar to what Jordan Peterson has said uh, in regard to incels, that if if it's all men you're having a problem with, maybe men aren't the problem, right? Yeah, that is. Or if it's all women you're having problems with, maybe women aren't the problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, another thing that she kept bringing up, too, is how successful her and her friends are, which I think is is great. It's a good thing. That's but nice, I, yeah. I really do not think that that is like, and the checklist for, for me and most other men I know, that's not like... That's not even present. Yeah. It's really not present. I mean, the intelligence and attractiveness, yeah, those are probably at the top of the list. So it's, you know, good on them. But I mean, the the career stuff is actually to some degree a a detraction. Like that's like, you know, what does that mean in terms of uh, family life and um, just how much time do you have for kids? 
things like that. Yeah, and I think throughout the clips, we have some more of them. She kind of displays this perhaps lack of awareness of what men want, right? She's talking about female dating market value as yeah. if it's from a female's perspective, thinking like, hang on, I have a great job. Why aren't men attracted to this? All my friends are super successful. It's like, well, maybe it's because men don't want the same things women want. Mm -hmm. And just because you possess the qualities you would like to see in a mate as a woman doesn't necessarily mean it translates into men finding that attractive. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because there was actually a piece recently that we covered probably three or four months ago now, I want to say, that was literally about, it was some progressive piece about mm -hmm. uh, women who are becoming more wealthy having trouble finding men that are wealthier than them of the same status because yeah. of the, the hypergamous drive, right? So pretty much men uh, poor, women suffer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's that's kind of what this felt like to me to some bit, degree yeah. where there was a little bit of that where it was like, you know, the, the wealthy men that that are in our category of or, or are the people that we think that we would like to date or deserve whatever it is yeah um they're not interested in us though they're interested in the 21 year old and she actually you know. will see she goes on to say stuff like that now i've often talked about the pussification of america and how men are no longer men i talked to my mom about this a lot and she says well maybe it's just the guys in texas maybe it's just the guys in los angeles it is not just the guys in los angeles nashville dallas and it's not they're not any better in the midwest they quite frankly i think they're trash all over this country in the age range of about 20 to I think about 55, maybe even 60. A lot of men are trash. So despite what she would go on to say in her follow-up video, she kind of seems to be doubling down on the idea that just men are trash. And I will say yeah. that it's true. A lot of guys are trash. A lot of women are trash. Or a lot of mm -hmm. people are trash nowadays, Yes. especially yeah. in regard to dating. So I'm not gonna push back on that. But I think, you know, if you are someone, and this is not just an issue Tommy Laren has, where you can't find anybody, at a certain point, you need to step back and think, what am I doing wrong? Yeah. Because there are good people out there who do want to date seriously, start a family and all that. And if, if you can't find any of them, you may be just looking in the wrong place or not putting out maybe the right message or the right signals. Yeah, I find like I've got a fine line to, to, to like walk here, whereas like all men are trash is somewhat true, but now I look like a white knight and I'm some exception. No, <laughs> but the idea is like, I think what you said, when we're dividing it by groups, of course, we'll find that all men are trash because I think today- People are trash. People in general, yeah. like I I just don't want anything to do with most of them. Sorry, yeah. that's how it is. Um, so is that observation incorrect? No, but at the same time, I like the, the women that I would uh, deem to be called, like call a lady or something like that, like it's just like rounded to a percentage, a whole number would be, you know, one or zero yeah. percent of people. Uh, so, I mean, men are trash, women are trash. We're all trash right now here in the declining West. Mm -hmm. um, I feel for her to some degree, but I, I think that looking at it from the lens of just, oh, men are the problem here is just incorrect. Yeah. And especially like, I kind of wonder, like, what do you hope to accomplish with a video like this? Because she kind of aims it as I'm going to educate you. I'm going to help you see what women want. And it's like, I don't know if you're starting off on the best foot. No. But uh, actually, this next part of the video is maybe something that like the only part I agree with. She talks about um, making plans. And I do appreciate this part. This is gonna be backwards for you guys. Make plans. Make a plan. Do not assume that you can text somebody randomly in the middle of the day, what are you doing? Or text them at midnight or 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. or even just within hours of when you actually want to see them and think that they're going to be available. I personally, once I get home and I take my makeup off and I'm watching TV, I'm no longer interested. In regard to that, okay, ladies, including Tommy Laren, if, so if a guy is texting you at midnight or 1 a.m. asking, what are you doing? You're being booty called, okay? No, put the phone down. That is not that is not a guy looking for a relationship. But to her more broader point, it did bother me when I was single when guys would try to do that. Mm. Like, no. What I appreciated about Liam, he was such a gentleman when we started going out is he made real dates, right? And then, you know, he wouldn't do the thing where it's like, oh, are we going to hang out? I don't know. Should I make plans? Like, he would take the time to actually make a plan with me so that I knew that I was a priority. And mm. it's true, a lot of guys- I didn't even think about that, frankly. Just yeah, because you're just you're just a respectful person who respects right. my time, right? Yeah, well, I, I have that same thing where it's like with my time, I hate when people mess yeah. with my time, I really do. And uh, yeah, I value my own time a lot. So, 
it just makes sense for me to plan it out, but mm-hmm. I'm happy that also it happens to be the I think the correct thing to do with people. Yeah. It's just respectful. And right? when you're dating, when you when you just make someone feel like an afterthought by not planning ahead, it's it's you're kind of putting it out there that you're that not pun, that interested. Way? Like an, an afterthought. afterthought. Yeah. Oh, the, the, yeah, that's good. The midnight text. Um, but yeah, I do. I do agree with that. And that's something that maybe I think a lot of guys just haven't learned properly from maybe their parents or whatever. And I think a lot of women are just as culpable because they mm. buy into it. They, yeah. they're they not expecting more from men. They're not giving more to men themselves. So it's like we're both letting each other down. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The lack so, of courtship. To some yeah. degree. Yeah, there's a lot of lack of courtship. But uh, like, you know, the... The first dates tend to go further than they should by, yeah. by a wide margin. But uh, yeah, I do think there's some degree of culpability here on the women's part oh, because I sure. know plenty of women that are happy just for like the, exactly that kind of thing. And yeah. you know what? In personal preference, I don't. But at the same time, I, I don't it's advocate like. For it, but. Ladies, you. Like for everybody, you teach people how to treat you. Yeah. Right? By like, if, if you're upset with a guy's behavior and you're still like hooking up with him you have no one to blame but yourself like you're not going to get better unless you demand better unless you also put out better as well because i think a lot of it is reciprocal and if you're not Mm -hmm. upholding your end of a relationship by being considerate caring affectionate everything you should be why would you expect more from your partner it's just not going to happen and then here in this next part of the video this is where tommy really displays the fact that in her mind men want exactly the same qualities in women that women want in men but that just isn't true. Value, value, take that in. Just repeat it to yourself until it makes sense. Okay. If you wanna date a girl that has nothing going on, then that's fine. But please do not mix in people like me and my friends who have something going on with your other girls that have nothing going on. But if you wanna mix in people like me and people like my friends who are go-getters, who work really hard, who make their own money, who are talented, skilled, ambitious, Please don't mix us in with the Tatianas. We don't want to be there. She's she's much better than those other women. <laughs> Honestly, though, I'll be honest with you. I don't have a problem with anything she just said. I really don't. I'm sorry. I don't care. So I'm elitist. I don't care. But there was like, you know, I've I've I was young. I was I didn't do crazy things, but I've been around people that I'm like, you know, this is not a respectable human being for sure. And no, but I it's don't like- wouldn't want I wouldn't want to but associate she's, myself she's or... not like slut shaming or anything like that she's saying don't associate us with these girls that have nothing going on in their lives and she brings up like you know every job is important i suppose but don't compare us to these girls who don't know what they're doing with their lives so she's making it like like an, an economic thing, thing? Yeah, an economic yeah. thing uh, I and don't, i yeah. i kind of take issue with that because it's like when we first started dating like i had youtube as a hobby and i was working at a like family business it was not a big deal so it's like was i less dateable to you as a man back then because my job wasn't as prestigious probably more dateable <laughs> yeah <laughs> no but seriously totally, like honestly yeah uh, that's the truth of it i yeah from from like a job perspective i don't i don't agree with what she said if that's yeah. the lens we're looking at it from but from like a social perspective of like what these people are like in terms of their values or yeah that i'm fine that with i'm like too. you know if you want to separate these two worlds that's fine yeah um but kind of proving the fact that i am right in terms of what her intent is we have this next clip where she just really lays it out on the line there's a lot of women out there that i know that are my good friends who have amazing jobs who work really hard but who can't seem to find a decent guy even if they go up in age five to ten to 15 years because those guys all want to be with 21 year olds who have nothing going on. It's very unfortunate. I don't think it's going to be fulfilling, but I would say to the men out there, try to maybe find a woman that you can talk to, communicate with, might actually have her together, might actually be ambitious and have something going on or want to have something going on. See, when she talks about having something going on, she means in terms of career and ambition and something No, you're definitely right. And and for that, it's like, no, you don't understand the male mind. I'm sorry, that's not how it works at all. I don't care. I don't care about that at all. Yeah, and I think most men are like that, especially if you are a guy that I think would be considered dateable on Tommy Laren's view, you probably, like she said, have the pick of the litter. You could be dating 21-year-olds who are willing to make your career their focus so yes. why, yeah. like, you know, if you're a guy who has all the money and career ambitions in the world, why do you need someone who also has money and career ambitions? Right, exactly. If you're doing, if you're doing the work for two or three people or yeah. whatever for the whole family, you, you kind of want someone that's just able to, to support you mm-hmm. in, in the rest of your life. So right. I, I, I completely understand. 
uh, those choices that those men are making. I mean, I hope that they're not just a factor of like lust and, and those kind of right. things. But uh, I, no, it doesn't make sense to me that you would want that kind of um, ability to, I guess, you know, uh, she's saying to speak with somebody like you can relate to them on a business level. Yeah. That's not something that I think, uh, you know, uh, necessary all, for a relationship. First of all, there are other men, right? Yeah. Like I have, I have friends. We can you all, have coworkers. We have coworkers. We can talk about those things ourselves. I don't yeah. need everybody to be, to relate to me in every facet. We know, uh, Lauren and I don't need to be different versions of the same people in order to yeah. get along. Um, yeah, because otherwise you'd be looking for some sort of like philosophy major or something. And that would be a disaster. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I kind of, I mean, I feel bad for women like Tommy Laren because, you know, she's good looking. She's successful. But I think she's bought into this narrative that essentially an entire generation has been sold that men and women are the same and we want the same things when we date which is just not true and i think a lot of people were kind of surprised when she went on this saying like i thought tommy was tradded it's like you could be right wing without being trad and i think even within like the whole maga movement a, a lot of women probably feel the same as she does where it's like well i'm successful i have my own money shouldn't i be like this huge catch and it's like no. And I'm not going to say like get back in the kitchen or anything like that, because obviously like I work, I have a job, but it's just, you know, keep in mind that, you know, some of the people you're looking into and that you might want to date, they have their own preferences. So maybe try to think about the situation from their perspective, not just what you want and who you want to date and assume that you must be just this huge catch. But Next up, we have an update in the Sargon versus Akilah Hughes case. But before we get to that, I want to tell you all about our amazing sponsor, NetSuite. So America is ready to get back to work finally, but to win in the new economy, you need every single advantage to succeed. So smart companies run on NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. With NetSuite, you'll have visibility and control over your financials, HR, inventory, e-commerce, and more, everything you need all in one place. And with the economy being a little bit weaker now now is the best time to make sure that you're not i guess wasting money everywhere that you have your financials sorted so whether you're doing thousands or hundreds of millions in sales netsuite lets you manage every single penny with precision you'll have the agility to compete with anyone work from anywhere and run your whole company right from your phone this is a great thing for small business owners so join, join over 20,000 companies who trust NetSuite to make it happen. NetSuite has surveyed hundreds of business leaders and assembled a playbook of the top strategies they're using as America reopens for business. So receive your free guide, seven actions businesses need to take now and schedule your free product tour at netsuite.com slash Lauren. Again, that is get your free, free guide and schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com slash Lauren. That is netsuite.com slash Lauren. So they know that our show sent you and just a Kudos to all the, you know, small business owners out there, people who are working for smaller companies right now. It's tough all over. And just, you know, with the economy being as it is right now, we'll we'll get through this. Don't worry, even though it's hard right now. All mm -hmm. right. So next up, we have the story about YouTuber Carl Benjamin, who I am a huge fan of. We've had the pleasure of meeting him several times. Well, he's been kind of wrapped up in this court case for at least three years now. If you if you aren't familiar with it, we have a little briefing here. So this was taken from Reason.com. I think they have the official court briefing. It says, on November 18th, 2016, Hughes, an internet commentator and filmmaker, posted a nine minute and 50 second video titled, We Thought She Would Win to her YouTube channel. The next day, Hughes discovered that Benjamin, a fellow YouTuber, but with a decidedly conservative slash libertarian bent, had posted a video titled SJW levels of awareness to one of his YouTube channels. Benjamin's video consisted entirely of six clips from We Thought She Would Win, totaling one minute and 58 seconds spliced together. So Akila, this left-wing commentator, posted a video. Sargon put some clips together and posted it to his video. So how the story goes is that when Akila saw this, she filed a takedown notice on YouTube to which Sargon wrote back to her saying, hey, this falls under fair use. And he filed like a counterclaim or whatever. Anyway, YouTube put it back up. And so Akilah decided to take him to court. Now, this court case, like the whole, is it copyright infringement thing? This was settled several months ago um, in Sargon's favor with the court ruling that no, this is fair use. This is transformative. And the reasoning that was given there says that on February 3rd, 2020, the court concluded that SJW levels of awareness plainly fell within the fair 
fair use exception to the Copyright Act and dismissed Hughes' complaints. In particular, the court determined that a reasonable observer who came across Benjamin's video would qu quickly grasp its critical purpose, that Benjamin's target audience, generally political conservatives and libertarians, is obviously not the same as Hughes' target audience, generally political liberals, and that the fair use defense clearly ap applies based on the face of Hughes' complaint and a review of the videos themselves. So one of the things that goes into determining whether something falls under fair use is if it's transformative or if it can be actually used as a replacement for the original work. And with Sargon's video, yeah, he pretty much just edited clips of Aquila's with no commentary of his own, but the editing itself was a commentary. And if someone wanted to watch Aquila's video, they couldn't just go to Sargon's because they're different, right? It's not mm. a replacement one for the other. So it ended up being ruled in Sargon's, in Sargon's favor, but now the new development is that not only did Aquila lose her copyright uh, claim, she's also been ruled that she has to pay for Sargon's court fees. So we have here this document that says she's going to need to give him around 40000 thousand dollars us in court fees which i think That's is nasty. amazing yeah. and he's uh sargon did a video about it he says he's not sure he's ever going to actually see this money yeah i don't know I what think kind my of understanding is like if she doesn't have the money up front she'll pay him like 50 bucks a week for the rest of her life sort of thing yeah or whatever a month i don't even know what it would be but it's more of a principle thing first of all it's these are important lawsuits very for people important. in the youtube sphere or if just, you're any type of creator yeah, any type of creator there's there's been a few of them that, that have existed i think this is the third kind of major one right that's been up there i mean i have to give h3h3 credit they mm -hmm. went through hell and and obviously a lot of credit here to sargon because you have to well i mean he probably was not expecting when he set out this uh set out on this to get that Forty thousand American dollars back. Right, right. You have to you have to spend a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of money to fight these cases, which is almost on behalf of the community of creators. So we definitely owe him a big I, thanks. I think so too. And what's so frustrating is that a lot of time with these court cases when this all happened initially, even some people who were on Sargon's side and believed he had done nothing wrong were saying it might just make more sense financially to settle, mm. right? Because these things, I mean, we've seen they take literally years and tens of thousands of dollars, but I think this was a principled thing. And thankfully, Sargon has fans who helped, you know, crowdfund some of these legal fees. But I mean, Aquila now still has to pay it all back. And actually, in terms of being granted legal fee repayment like Sargon has been, that's not something that happens very often no. uh, within the U.S. court system because they don't want to, I guess, discourage people from filing legitimate claims over the worry that they're going to be screwed with all these legal fees. But I really like the reasoning that they gave for Aquila having to repay Sargon. The, the judge in question pretty much said that you were doing this for malicious motivations, therefore you should have to pay. We have this clip here, it says, improper or bad faith motivations are generally difficult to discern as litigants often have a variety of objectives and may obscure their baser ones behind a veil of legitimate sounding claims. In this case, however, Hughes openly discussed her improper motivations on both Twitter and her website, i.e. it was clear that she had malicious intent because she no. was talking crap about him the whole time. It says, indeed, Hughes admitted to potentially hundreds of thousands of followers that she intended to, one, bankrupt Benjamin, to stymie his attempts to crowdfund his legal costs. I'm pretty sure uh, she claims to have been responsible for getting him booted off Patreon. And also she tried, I think, to shut down his GoFundMe for his legal fees. Terrible person. Three, used copyright laws to silence her political opponents and critics' other posts, including her public boasting about the legal dispute on her social media accounts, even describing her complaint as a Christmas present for Benjamin. And her public belittlement and celebrity-style feuding with Benjamin strongly suggest that Hughes intended to sensationalize the litigation to elevate her own public profile and achieve a secondary financial gain. Together, then, Hughes' public comments reveal an intent to abuse the legal system in order to further a personal yeah. agenda that had little to do with the copyright act yeah now i believe that this kind of thing is not like that rare when you're doing these kind of things to people i don't think i think a lot of the times if you're suing somebody like this you might have that motivation of like i'm gonna i'm gonna drown this person no right? but i mean oftentimes but, you hear people say i can't comment because it's being settled in the courts yeah, right exactly well that's the thing she just upfront said it there are yeah. videos of this girl just like literally like huge smug smug yeah. smile on her face i don't care that he has children she literally said that it's like you are beyond shooting yourself in the foot. I, right. don't, I don't. I doubt she has the money to pay this off. I think Carl Benjamin said the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it it's mind-bogglingly stupid. Yes. To go out and just say it 
like that. It you know even the even the court system how bad it is in the UK. They were at least it, no. This was in the US. Actually. This was in the US. Yeah. Okay, forgive me. You know, but still, it's still usually not a yeah. I mean, a guarantee you're going to get justice in this case, though. Yeah, I think you made it right so call. easy. It's like it was on the internet. Everybody can see it. And, yeah. and and the judge sounds like he was uh, a a proper proper, a proper man judge. in this case. He was just a beast. Actually, we uh, we were going to be getting to the judge in question in just a couple minutes, but first, I wanted to show you this Twitter tirade that Akila went on when this whole uh, payback legal fees story went viral, and she she really is just even with this, she just can't stop running her mouth and making things worse for herself. She says, hey, if you follow me on Twitter, you may notice that I'm being harassed by a bunch of white men today. That's because I sued white supremacists for stealing my content on YouTube in 2016. This is like defamatory, right? I'm pretty sure he could sue her just for this alone. Like she's still calling him a yeah. white supremacist. It's like, have you not learned your lesson at this point? She says, keep in mind, the express purpose of this white supremacist was to arouse his horde of 4chan white supremacists into harassing me. You, you, you're just saying this, like you, you could actually be taken to court, I'm pretty sure, for saying stuff like this because yeah. it's you're assigning intent, you're making declarative statements about someone, uh, their identity and their intent, and it's just like, please stop. She says, for the past four years, this person has made racist and sexist harassing content about me, Trey Melvin, Cat Black, Francesca Ramsey, and more for the purpose of getting his followers to harass us. He was banned from VidCon when they forged badges and yelled over us on panels. I don't, that's, I'm pretty sure not true either. Then Carl Benjamin ran for office in England and was so repugnant he said his female opponent was too ugly for him to rape. Again, he didn't say that. Um, so she goes into how she thinks her initial lawyer made a mistake with the filing, making it more about harassment than copyright. And how the judge threw out the case, she says, this happened in February, then in March, the very same white supremacist decided to countersue for legal fees because I responded to one of these little boys harassing me, calling him a racist. He claimed my case was therefore never about copyright infringement. That's not at all what the judge said either. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not just about this one claim you made against the person. And she said, so today I found out that because I responded to a racist on Twitter, I am expected to pay this man who is incredibly racist and terrible $38,000 because I responded to racism directed at me. And she brings up how she tried to contact YouTube about this. And she, of course, asked them. She says, all of this to say, I've tried to spare this drama on the timeline. No, you haven't. The court document went into how you have it. If you had, this wouldn't be a problem. She says, but this is what the black people you like online have to deal with. You brought this on yourself. Every single part of this was from your doing. Zero personal responsibility yeah, on zero. her part. Zero self-awareness. And that's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it sickens me, honestly. Even better, she says, and I think at YouTube should also have to answer for their role in this because their policy is that you must sue to keep someone's work down. It's like, yeah, because you have no, no claim over it. You can't just remove videos that you don't like. Like, Chica, you're not the only person on YouTube to have a response video made about you. We get them made about us all the time. It's like, you deal with it. You can't just take down videos you don't like. And I mean, pretty much she says, also, if anyone here has a contact at GoFundMe where he raised 120 for 120,000 for his lawsuit and PayPal where he continues to make money, my lawyer would appreciate it. So she's trying to go after his finances still. Yeah, but also those companies, right? Yeah, she's putting pressure companies. on yeah. YouTube, GoFundMe, PayPal, all these companies. Yeah, she's tagging all these companies. They're supporting racism inadvertently or White something supremacists. like that. White supremacists, everything. Yeah. You know, it's um, this is disgusting grifting. Uh, she's yeah. being a leech. I don't know what to say. It's, uh, you know, she's getting what's coming to her, and I love it. And yeah. I, I frankly, I, I would like to see her get taken to court again for yeah, yeah. for you know um, defamatory. You know, defamation I'm, rather. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure that Sargon is not the last person she's going to try this with. So I look forward to seeing what the next person yeah. tries to do. And to quote Sargon, "You get what you effing deserve." Right? I don't. No sympathy. You no. started this. Um, every step of the way, you've made things worse for yourself. Doesn't look like you have any intention of learning from your actions. So yeah, this. I don't know. This is your bed, lie in it, or however that statement goes. Uh, next up, though, we're going to be talking about the trans lobby because, you know, for such a small number of people, very vocal, very, uh, I don't know, they have a lot of emotions that they need to sort through publicly, it seems. 
First though, I wanna help you all improve your credit score with ScoreMaster. So ScoreMaster was created by credit data scientists and the average ScoreMaster user raises their credit score 61 points in 20 days or less. Not a couple of points, you heard me, 61 points, which is huge. One listener raised her credit score 102 points in just 11 days and another raised his credit score 53 points in 17 days. Imagine how much of a difference those extra credit points will make next time you're applying for a mortgage or or loan or credit card, whatever it may be. ScoreMaster is the new science that super boosts your credit score faster and easier than anything you've tried. ScoreMaster puts you in control of your credit score. And this is how you add points to your credit score fast. No more of those vague blogs online that just say stuff like, oh, pay off your debt. ScoreMaster gives you actionable, tangible things to do that are specific to your situation. Having your best credit score helps in every area of life, getting a home loan, buying a car, refinancing, even getting a job. You should have the power, not the banks. And ScoreMaster puts you in control. Enroll in minutes and see how many plus points you can add to your credit score. They've essentially gamified improving your credit score. It's amazing. You'll be shocked how fast you can do it. Visit scoremaster.com slash Lauren. Again, that's scoremaster.com slash Lauren. And I really love when we have sponsors that actually help our audience. And with ScoreMaster, that is absolutely the case. All right. So we have this news from Scotland and Lush. I feel like Scotland, unless we did this show, I would have no idea how progressive they are. Like, cause they really are like yeah. out there. It yeah, seems. I mean, part of me isn't surprised because it's the UK. Yeah, um, I guess. But yeah, you don't think of a like a you just wouldn't a think far of Scottish left Scott. Yeah. Scott like they it doesn't seem like they would care about these things. Yeah, because they have other problems. Like, aren't they? Don't they have like a lot just, of violence in Edinburgh and stuff like that? Yeah, I guess there's some of that. But to me, just One a Scottish man just seems like someone who doesn't world. care. Yeah, they just <laughs> yeah. don't they just, they just don't care about that stuff. They're just whatever, you know. Yeah, apparently, at least some of them do though. So we have uh, this article from Pink News, one of my favorite sources of news going on in the LGBT world. It says Lush warns bigots in no uncertain terms: don't enter with signs of transphobia after store targeted with hate. Uh, what is this hate? This nebulous hate? This article mentions. Wait, because you're you're probably not going to believe it when you hear it that they would actually classify this as hate, but it says Lush Edinburgh hung a sign in its window Monday warning, please do not enter our store with signs of COVID-19, racism, homophobia, sexism, or transphobia. The Scottish branch explained on Facebook that the message was installed after its storefront was targeted by a transphobic group. What what was that targeting? Reports on social media suggest that Lush's window was stickered with a keep prisons single sex message. Such hatred. Yeah, it's really true. just, it's bigoted, it's terrible, it's transphobic. I mean, unless you fully support putting penises in women's prisons, then it's like, you're basically Hitler. Basically Hitler. Representatives for the company did not immediately respond to a request for clarification. Lush added on Facebook, our store is a space for compassion and respect for all, and we will not condone or support acts of hate. If you are sh showing signs of COVID, please follow government guidelines to isolate and get tested. If you are showing signs of any racism, homophobia, sexism, or transphobia, we recommend you isolate and educate yourself. So it's not just that Lush is standing up to transphobia, it's what they are deeming transphobia. Yeah that I find so strange. And it's like, you're a store, you make bath bombs. Like, why, I don't care what you think about trans people. It's crazy. And I love the gall that they always have to say, like, uh, educate yourself. Yeah. It's like, like as if they control, like, like what- Education, I mean, education they do. Is. They, they, <laughs> they do, do, but that, that's, the, that's, that's the double, like it's the double down. It's like, educate yourself. With, with our, our sources. Yeah, with our like c completely compromised yeah. source of knowledge. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's disgusting. It's but, dystopian. Yeah, it's so dystopian. Uh, I I can barely wrap my head around it. Yeah. But at least for the time being, most people most people see it for what it is. Yeah. You know, when, when you like, because you see that sign, you'll say, "Oh, the transphobia. That's that's kind of gross. I don't really like that." Uh, yeah. You know? And then it's like, "Oh, well, they said keep present single sex." Yeah. And then, you know, you kind of wake up for a second. You're like, "Oh, yeah, back to reality. These yeah. people are wild." And they think that pretty much eighty percent of the population would be transphobic because not many people are in favor of putting trans people in, yeah. in women. And like, yeah. I, I will admit that the whole thing with prisons and trans people—that's hard. I don't have all the answers to all of these problems that come with trying to integrate trans people fully into society with their preferred genders. But I'm pretty sure saying keep prisons single sex. 
Not really a sign of hate. The article continues to say Lush's latest act follows a similar intervention by rival The Body Shop, which was applauded in June when it confronted J.K. Rowling on Twitter over her view on trans people. After the author criticized trans-inclusive language around periods in a series of tweets foreshadowing her now infamous Turf Wars essay, The Body Shop offered to send her a vegan bath bomb and a copy of Trans Rights by paisley cura to read in the bath keep in mind what the body shop was mad at jk rowling for which is such a strange sentence um but she jk rowling took issue uh with the phrase i think an article mentioned people with periods or something like that or yeah. people with cervixes which yes. i agree kind of sounds demeaning it almost sounds like something that like a MGTOW or incel member would say just like oh yeah the menstruators yeah the bleeders <laughs> the uterus havers <laughs> it's like yeah, you can you can call us women, but this kind of follows a trend where this whole quest to completely remove the importance of sex and sex differences to focus solely on gender identity. Uh, we recently saw that Dictionary.com joined in the war against TERFs. Yeah, the d Dictionary.com. Yeah. They have now firmly placed themselves on the side of the, what are the, like the, trans-inclusive feminists, the non-TERFs, I don't know. They put out a post on social media saying, beware the TERF, <laughs> beware the TERF. And so for the actual definition, they said TERF is an acronym for trans-exclusionary radical feminism or trans-exclusionary radical feminists. No issue with that definition in particular, but what people were kind of confused by, seeing as their dictionary, is the very biased um, root of the word that they chose to provide. It says TERF is used to describe cisgender women who self-identify as feminists, but who are opposed to including transgender women in spaces they reserve for people who were assigned female at birth. Okay, this is where it gets good. This is because they believe trans women are men, and since men cannot coexist with their feminist ideologies, they exclude them from their beliefs and support. That is not what a trans, uh, a, a TERF, trans-exclusionary radical feminist, would say at all. No. Not at all. Um, so this is just a very, a very one-sided explanation of the whole issue. And they continue to say, in fact, they often believe they should be denied rights and mm. sometimes advocate for harm against trans people. <laughs> what? Very unbiased. Here. Very like unbiased it. dictionary. Thank you, dictionary.com. It says, but well-known feminists who have been labeled TERF on the internet have come out to call the term a slur because it's associated with violence and hatred. And what I, my favorite part of this is that they have, you know, examples of the word. So mm. this is the example phrase they use for turf. Turf is a slur, people say, as if to completely spackle over the fact that excluding and neglecting the existence of a whole group of people is actually bad. But calling it out, they say, is just as bad or maybe even worse. Spoiler, it ain't. <laughs> what? <laughs> what a... <laughs> What a great example of just academic neutrality, you know, just trying to be objective. It's, it's crazy because you know that these people are defining words people will look up. I know. That's the it's... scariest thing, right? It's like, this is... This is an infected, another infected institution. The dictionary. I, you know, hold on to your old dictionaries, people. Yeah. You know, the, the paperbacks, keep them. Keep the old encyclopedias. Because yeah, until they start burning them. But Those yeah. are going to be, yeah, those are going to be valuable because that's where real knowledge is. They're going to start, they're going to start changing the definition of, of women. You know, mm -hmm. they probably already have or they're getting there very shortly. Yeah. Men, there's going to be nothing in, in there that has any sort of relevance to the real world. They've already tried with racism to actually get the dictionary to change yes. racism to their view of racism, the which power is power plus uh, prejudice. Yeah. Right. So, and you know, people are going to say, well, words change all the time. It's like, yes, that's true. But what makes this effort by academics and the dictionary different from how language has evolved over time is that usually it's an organic transformation, right? People yeah. just start using it like the term selfie. No one um, said this is what a selfie is, you all must use this term now. It just kind of spread throughout the vernacular through yes. natural means and conversations. That's different than what's happening here, where we have this small group of people who are dictating, this is what the word will mean, even though that is not how the majority of people use the word. So it's, mm -hmm. it's a very different concept. And I mean, it's scary how much influence these people have over society, considering they're really not the majority. And that's, I mean, I kind of blame all of us for letting this happen, right? This is a small group of people. Why, why do they have so much control? And it's like, I understand why in the beauty industry, including places like Lush and the Body Shop, it's so widespread. It's because, you know, they cater to women and women are way more likely to be progressive. And it's like, all right, you're probably just trying to appeal to your target demographic, but it's like the dictionary. Come on. Come on, dictionary. Not yeah. cool. HR departments, they're the death of you. That's all I'll say. Yeah. You know, and you just... know what? HR departments, majority women. 
like huge, huge majority women. Same of with course. psychology, yes. another very left wing field. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's in every institution at this point. We kind of just have to uh, hold on and hope this whole thing shakes out well. And, and I think, honestly, there is a lot of pushback right now. Just like um, you're seeing a lot more people in the academic realm, at least aware of this yeah um but they're not actively speaking out and the, and the political power is definitely i think on the side of the the progressive left that are pushing mm-hmm. this stuff but I, I i suspect in the end i, I just can't see this going the whole 1984 route but it's it all seems i don't know i kind I mean, of feel like we're already there we're getting we're getting well we're definitely trending in that direction yeah but I, I, I think that the uh it i don't know my, my intuition is that it's going to go awry first i i would hope so because i just i can't take it anymore i can't continue with these people who act like they are the sole arbiters of truth who are objectively insane but our next story actually continues in the same vein of trans issues the matrix right classic Mm. trilogy people say it's one of keanu reeves best roles out there because it's like his whole kind of blank no emotion thing actually plays into plays into neo but wait how is this a trans issue lauren well i'm glad you asked a lot of people would say it's not what are you talking about uh but the wachowski if, I think that's how you pronounce it. The Wachowski siblings, siblings. Yeah. who Good. used to be the Wachowski brothers, but now have both transitioned to being female. So now it's the Wachowski siblings who kind of, I think they wrote and directed the series. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of other credits as well. So they have come out now and said that the Matrix was actually intended to be a trans allegory. Now, I haven't seen the Matrix in a while, but... I feel like that's not the impression I got from the movies, like at no. all. Yeah. I've, I've, I actually quite like The Matrix. I've, Which is saying something. He hates all movies. No, no. I say like pre-2005, movies were a lot better. Mm-hmm. I think 2000, like somewhere in that range, it was something happened and all movies now are trash. Like all, like all men are trash. Yeah. Tommy Lyon, all movies are trash <laughs> um, since 2005. But no, I like them. And to the point that I'll... I don't rewatch them like I rewatch Lord of the Rings. Like yeah. Lord of the Rings, I'll rewatch every few years, probably. The Matrix, probably every half decade, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe watch them. But I, I, I enjoy them. Uh, there's like some pop philosophy in there. Yeah. But I think they're great movies, frankly, particularly the first. Yeah. So um, you support the idea of the trans allegory? Is uh, what you're saying? That's where I'm like, what? Like, how? How do you get that? Yeah. I don't know. This feels like to me like the J.K. Rowling stuff. Mm-hmm. The authorial intent is is drastically changing yeah and it's it's not just authorial intent it's authorial intent mixed with revisionism yeah right because this isn't something that they were saying like as it came out and it's one of the interpretations that's always been out there because i mean well here we have this gizmodo article that talks about it they say it says the matrix is regularly lauded as one of the most inventive and influential sci-fi films of all time it put lana and lily wachowski on the map as filmmakers and remains so popular today a fourth film is currently in the works but it's actually so much more at its core the matrix is also the story of a person who realizes they're trapped in a place where they can't be themselves escapes and is reborn in a new world as their true self i would disagree with that like i don't think the message is you're trapped in a place where you can't be yourself i would say you're trapped in an artificial world i i saw it more similar to the allegory of the cave yeah right you're in this false Mm. world and need to be awoken right that i mean that's kind of Mm. like where being woke comes from the red pill blue pill thing you need to be awakened to the true state of the world and then once you are you can actually control or better manipulate yeah. the artificial state it's almost like they're pro matrix now yeah like they're pro like the program you can you have this idealized version of the world where you can be whatever you want to be mm-hmm. and uh that's kind of sweet where not completely detached from reality right because that's not what the real world is in the matrix you can only be whatever you want to be in the matrix but the message then, is you need to wake up from the matrix and, and to be fair even at that point i'd say that's revisionism yeah because in the matrix there are there are poor people not mm-hmm. everybody's the rich guys you know it's the, but if you're woke like if you've taken the red pill then yeah. you can control reality sort of thing well, in the only, matrix only neo can yeah only neo can actually so uh, the other people they, they still have to abide by the rules of the matrix which yeah. you know yeah so i mean <laughs> trapped in a place where they can't be themselves the matrix is not a story of like 
self-exploration. Like it's it's not just be yourself. Mm -hmm. That's not the message of the Matrix. At least that's not what what I got from it. But no. we have a I think it's a pretty recent interview from one of the Wachowski siblings. I don't know which one this is, uh, but she is very much saying that nope, it's trans allegory. It's it's a message about our transness. Transness, transness, transness. We have a clip here. I'm glad that people are talking about the movies, um, the Matrix movies, uh, with a trans narrative. I love that. So, uh, the how um, how meaningful those films are to trans people and the way that they come up to me and say, "This these movies saved my life because." When you talk about transformation, specifically in the world of science fiction, which is just about imagination, it's like, and world building, and like the idea of the seemingly impossible becoming possible, I think is like, that's why it speaks to them so much. And um, I'm grateful that I can be a part, throwing them a rope to help them along their journey. So, the seemingly impossible becoming possible and transformation. Maybe that's why it's a trans allegory. Yeah, but that's like the, the the connection with that and the Matrix is just as strong as the connection to that and sci-fi. Yeah. Like there's nothing beyond fiction, basically, and and the connections to those things of like just imagination and passability and those things uh, yeah. than there is to the Matrix, right? The Matrix does not have anything more to do with that. Yeah, because in where Neo goes through this huge transformation within the matrix that's only made possible by him being aware of the real world it, no. it's not it, it's it's if you believe in that i guess representation of the matrix then it's almost like you're conceding that the trans identity is made up in my opinion right mm. because neo can't do all of these amazing things in the real world he's just a, so i i don't know i feel like it just really doesn't work with this interpretation yeah i mean even if you look at it backwards and somehow like you become whatever you want in the real world after you escape the matrix. That seems just also patently. I'm trying to like, I'm trying to be as charitable yeah, so as I can. So what is, like, what is the matrix in that allegory? Is the matrix the idea that gender is a binary and you need to be woken up from that? Yeah. But then again, you saw no trans representation or anything like that in the actual real world, right? Everybody right. was basically the same version that they were in the matrix beforehand right. for the most part, you know? So, and I don't know, I just got, if I were to say what's the theme, I would say, you know, beware of technology and, and things like that, not just transness, but maybe sure. maybe I'm just not woke enough with this new interpretation. And you know what? I, I, I'm i a sucker. I like, I like the pop psychology. I like yeah. the whole allegory in the cave sort of deal, you know, of, um, it, there was some kind of, uh, say, did I say pop psychology? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, sorry pop philosophy like there's a little bit of there's a little bit of thinking there that's kind of interesting when you're talking about what's real and what isn't real yeah some basic epistemology stuff that's kind of fun that's what i liked about the matrix that i thought it brought to the table that was new for a sci-fi because outside of that it's you know a, a half decent action movie mm -hmm. um but that's not yeah i i would never have expected anything about transness in this yeah but i mean it's kind of like we did that segment about how taylor swift fans are reading into her album saying they're actually like coming out stories yeah. of her being queer i feel like for these people you can read queerness transness gayness into anything yeah right it would be like me saying like, remember that uh, little piece of art i did when i was six with the son and the dog that was actually a, a commentary on heteronormativity and, you know, these people do stuff like that all the time. Yeah, I mean that's they're not the only ones. I see it all the time with uh, you know white nationalists. They'll always mm -hmm. they'll always read. You could you could read whenever you're watching a piece of media or just anything. If you're looking at the world through that lens, you can you can find patterns. We're very good at finding patterns in the world. Yeah, and our confirmation biases are uh, very powerful. Yeah. So I mean, and I don't necessarily blame fans for reading whatever they want into it. What I do take issue with is the Wachowski siblings themselves saying like, no, yeah, this is true. But we I, meant this all the time. Like, no, you didn't. Even more than that, though, I love the vagueness of it. Yeah. Of this whole thing, there's no real specific references. <laughs> it's just super vague, artsy kind of talk that doesn't leave me thinking much about it. Yeah. We had, you know, the, the Matrix stuff was all like about the desire for transformation, but it was all coming from a closeted point of view. And so we had the character of Switch, who was like a character who would be, you know, a man in the real world or and then a woman in the Matrix. And, you know, that's both were... <laughs> 
where our head spaces were. So that didn't actually end up happening in the movie, though. Like, there was no trans character. So, no. I mean, this is kind of like, yeah, we were going to have this amazing trans character to represent where our transness was at. We didn't actually end up doing it. But, um, you know. But Dumbledore I, is gay. Yeah, Dumbledore is gay. And yeah. he had, like, hot, fiery sex with, uh, what was that bad guy? Grindelwald. J.K. Rowling actually said that. Nice. Yeah. So, I mean. Thank you, J.K. Yeah, this is just complete revisionism and there's this debate going on um i guess authorial intent versus death of the author so it's this different schools of thought as to how we should interpret media some people say that when there's a piece of work out there that the author's intent should play into how it is interpreted other people say that the work should speak for itself right that if if you put it to paper and you have all of these other like visions for it or stories but it's not actually in the work then that can't contribute to our interpretation of the work i kind of fall more on the side of death of the author i think a work should speak for itself you shouldn't have mm. to read all of these side interviews with the author just to really understand it i feel like if it was meant to be it, you should have put it, it in it should be complete yeah it should be complete um this is like in my opinion a completely diff it's outside of it though right because it's like not only is this going further than authorial intent it's like authorial post intent yes yeah yeah so no, it's exactly removed. that's the way i feel about it too it's this is complete nonsense at this point this is virtue signaling and i'll tell you what i'm not watching the matrix for it's not happening yeah but I, keanu uh... no yeah. I don't care. Listen, I like Keanu Reeves. In fact, I was on the Keanu hype train before everybody. I, I'll go hipster mode here. Yeah. Now I'm totally like, this is too mainstream. Mm -hmm. Too mainstream <laughs> for me. Uh, sorry. Matrix 4 is going to suck. I, I'm, I'm saying it right now. Yeah, it probably will. Um, Jupiter Ascending really sucked, which was, the, I think, the last huge project they worked on. Uh, we still have John Wick 4, though. So I, I haven't even seen number three yet, I don't think. It's on Prime. Uh, anyway, we have one more clip uh, from, I think, Lily Wachowski. We always, like, loved this scene that Ned Beatty would do in this movie Network, where he would talk about the way the world was. And it was always from this, like, corporate hierarchical, you know, overlord structure. And so... Um, I, I think in our transness, we are always trying to, like, and queerness, like, incorporate as many things as possible. It's just like trying to visualize within, you know, a, a much larger, infinite scope of the of the imagination. What does that mean? That means that that those are just words. Yeah, that was together. very performative. In our transness and, and queerness, we were like, what? Vague, artsy words strung together. I've seen like philosophers do similar things, but yeah. that was, that, that were, there was no really an attempt there to just do anything but just say buzzwords. Say buzzwords. Yeah. yeah, trans, Please queer, agree with me. Imagination. It corporate. is the correct opinion. Yeah, like that does, that means nothing. And it's kind of, it's disappointing because I respect a lot of the Wachowskis' work, right? They've mm -hmm. made great movies. I think they've also made bad movies. But it there's this, I think, need they have now to not only make some bad movies, but also almost tarnish previous works. And yeah. I think it also illustrates how quickly the tides have turned back because The Matrix isn't that old. It's no, not that old. No, I not. think they came out in the 90s, right? Mm. or maybe even more it might have been recent. it might have been at the turn of the millennia mm -hmm. i'm not I'm, i think it was over that period yeah um but we already so it's not that old and i uh, what kyle cashew the the parkland kid anyway he was writing oh. about watching old movies on twitter and he actually mentioned the matrix and it's like you your gen z self can just get out of here but yeah they're not old movies but already they're being revised and it's like i feel like the the way that we look back upon history that's getting shorter and shorter our willingness to relate to history as as it yeah. was back then we're we're co constantly changing what is the new acceptable but i think that's pretty much all we have to say for now i probably won't go see the matrix for either depending on where cinemas are at because i mean nothing nothing's nothing's open nothing's coming out for a long time and i don't know if anyone's gonna want to go with me because yeah. everyone's afraid of coronavirus i'm not afraid of coronavirus but i'm afraid of the matrix four yeah it's one of those things that uh i wish it stayed dead yeah. You know, it's like this. They just make new movies. Like, sorry, they're gonna they're making a Lord of the Rings series on Netflix. Uh, it's gonna be like, bad. Like, you're gonna are you trying to destroy everything in my childhood that was good? Yes, it's, they are. They're not I'm trying. Convinced. They're doing. <laughs> yes. They're doing. 
Um, yeah, so that is disappointing, but I mean, that's a running theme in this show. Uh, I think that's pretty much all we have to say. And as yeah. always, thank you guys so, so much for tuning in and we will see you next time. Take care.